Well, the original plan for this Sunday was actually we are going to have Dave Harvey. Uh, Dave is an author. He's written the book, When Sinners Say I Do, and just wrote a book called I Still Do. Both of them fantastic books, and he's also the executive director of the Great Commission Collective. And Dave was scheduled actually to be here with our church family and preach this Sunday, but obviously we had a pandemic come into place, and so Dave was not able to come. We're looking to reschedule him. And uh, so that leaves me with a Sunday that was unscheduled. And so what do I preach? What do we talk about? Um, just a little backstory. So the end of uh, this past year, I'm putting this whole uh, ministry calendar together for Sundays. And in this series on Radiant God Grasping His Greatness, I wanted about midway through to put in a sermon that was kind of, I would call it, a change-up pitch. Um, the type of uh, uh, midway through to where as we're going through this series, it, it maybe directs our eyes in a little bit different place. And so here we are now, 60% of the way through the series, almost midway, and I have an extra Sunday. And so I'm grabbing a hold of it, and I want us to take our eyes vertically together. I said a change-up pitch because... Um, in the reality is my goal for this series was just to preach 20 sermons that, was get, that were getting the ball over the plate. I just like, Lord God, just help me get it in the strike zone so the Spirit of God can take it and use it in the lives of us and our people. And, and in that, I'm like, no curveballs, no knuckleballs, not even any fastballs, just over the plate. And uh, then all of a sudden we have this Sunday open up. And this is the time to where I might say it this way, Lord, help me get it over the plate, but it's a change-up pitch. It's a little bit different. So today, we're going to be going into staying within our series, but it's oriented to the subject of it is, the title of it is, Our God is Seen. Our God is Seen. Now, you may be thinking, where in the world is that sermon going well, where we're going is in all of the noise that we see around us, as we look around us with everything that's going on in our world and all the crazy, this is a time together we're going to look up and we're going to see the Lord. And what I mean by that is there are texts of Scripture where we actually see who God is. Is. And that's an important reality because as we're talking about uh, these uh, aspects of the intrinsic nature of who our God is, much of this is very thinking-based. It's very information-based. It's kind of we're describing who God is. And yet we can get to a point where sometimes we think that, well, our God is this uh, uh, divine energy field or a mother earth power source or even like a Yoda feel the force kind of thing. But the fact of the matter is, is what is so wonderful about Scripture is Scripture actually has scenes, S-C-E-N-E, where we can see God and so we're going to do that today. We're going to kind of take a change-up pitch in all of the describing of who our God is, and today we're going to see God from Scripture. So join me in this as we dive in. We're going to peer into who God is, and so I've got eight scenes. Uh, you can spell that whichever way you want to, because both of them apply. 
but eight scenes, eight sightings, eight uh, uh, times where we're going to get glimpses of, eight times where God reveals who he is, eight times where our God is seen in events in times of scripture. And so we're going to go there. If you would, uh, begin by opening your Bible to Exodus 19, Exodus 19. And God, I pray right now that you would show yourself through your word and the Spirit of God would do a work in our lives that in all of the events and the noise that we see around us, we would take this time right now and we would behold you and we would see you. So show us yourself, Lord, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. We're in Exodus chapter 19, uh, seen at Mount Sinai. Uh, Exodus 19, is it after the Exodus, so the, the Hebrews being brought out of Egypt, uh, they brought out of slavery, all of that, and, and this is taking place right around uh, 1450 BC, right around that time period. Uh, God's done a marvelous work. Let's dig in. Exodus 19, let me pick up in the middle of verse 2. Uh, there, Israel encamped before the mountain. While Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So we already see some things about our God in here. God has called his people out. He, he, he bore them. He brought them out uh, to be his treasured possession. And know this, God is not just some distant energy force far away from you and me. Our God is who all of God is. And yet in all of who God is, the fact of the matter is, is God is a very personal God as we see that here They are to become a a nation, a kingdom of priests, a set-apart nation, a a people that are unlike the rest of the world who are not cluttered together and gathered together just to be unto themselves, but actually they're to be priests to the world in that. And so God is giving them this marvelous thing. They're at Mount Sinai. Let's see some more. Go to verse 16, chapter 19. And on the morning of the third day, There were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and very loud trumpets. Get the picture of it. There they are at the foot of Mount Sinai and God's presence is showing itself. Uh, Lightnings and clouds and thunder and a loud trumpet blast. By the way, you clearly get the idea that the loud trumpet blasts are not from God's people. They are from God himself in all that is taking place coming down from the heavens. And so that all the people in the camp trembled. I would say so. I mean, how cool of a scene is this? Verse 17. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand 
at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. And the smoke went up like a smoke of a kiln. And the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. And this whole series, as we're gathering who God is, see this. Grasp a hold of this. This is our God. Let's build on that. Let's take that more. Let's go next. Seen at the tabernacle. Turn to Exodus 40, the last chapter of the book of Exodus. Exodus 40, seen at the tabernacle. It's, it's the first ever portable church all put together. The tabernacle is here. And they're going to be carrying this around uh, over a season of time in the desert that God has them. And uh, this is a moment when the tabernacle is now put up. Uh, This is a a unique, special moment. The last verses of the book of Exodus, let me pick up verse 34, chapter 40, and it says this. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. By the way, have you noticed in here, we see over in Exodus that a cloud descends. Here we have a cloud again. A cloud in God's presence is a common theme through scripture. We'll see it another time or two. Cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory, the radiant glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, And fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Again, you have this manifest presence of the glory of God. Not just a concept, not just some force that is out there, not just a God that is all of who we've been talking about and that's it alone, only in thought, only in theory, only in kind of its invisible, intrinsic nature of it all, but it is a God that literally has presence at Mount Sinai, at the tabernacle. Third, let's go to Isaiah 6, seen at the temple. Seen at the temple. By the way, we're not referring to the physical temple that is built after the tabernacle, but we'll see here in Isaiah, we're trying to grasp a hold of who our God is in seeing our God. Here we are in the temple in heaven, the heavenly temple. This is some 700 years after all that took place in Exodus. Let me pick up chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 1 of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. 
See that? Not I felt the Lord. Not, not even I thought about the Lord. Not I pondered the Lord. But I saw the Lord. Lord what? Sitting. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. We're not doing exegesis on the passage here. We're not talking about what all of this it might be implying. We're literally talking about the physical scene of it all. So see it here, sitting on a throne, high lifted up, train of a robe fills the heavenly temple. Verse two, above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, 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 set apart, set apart, set apart is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his manifest radiance. Verse 4, and the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. I mean, this is in the heavens. And the house was filled with smoke. We see it again, the glory of God. Verse 5, and I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. I saw, sitting on a throne, train of his robe, expansive, seraphim above. My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Seen at Mount Sinai, seen at the tabernacle, seen at the temple, fourth, seen at the Jordan. Turn to the New Testament, first book of the New Testament, Matthew. Turn to chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. This is about 700 years later again. So in 1450, uh, around that time period, the exodus, uh, the tabernacle uh, events take place. Some 700 years later, we find Isaiah seeing who God is. And now some 700 years after that, we're in the New Testament. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, his feet are on the ground. Matthew 3. Let me pick up in verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately, bam, he went up from the water, and behold, listen, we're seeing what's taking place, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, by the way, not a dove, but like a dove, and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Again, the point here is this. Let's take our eyes vertical. Let's get a picture of who our God is. And our triune God is in the scene here. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, is being baptized. Not because he needs to be 
needs to be baptized, but because he is fulfilling what Scripture says about him. He is being baptized. He has come as our representative in our place. There he is being baptized. Then we see this scene taking place, and one of the questions is, is is Jesus the only one who saw this? Is Jesus and John, the baptizer, the only one? Or did all of the people? We're not quite sure fully on that, but I know this. Scripture tells us the scene, and so we get to know the whole scene. And the scene is, is that John is baptizing the second person of the Trinity. When he comes up immediately upon it, all of a sudden, this third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God, and somehow in this, descends like a dove, coming on and setting himself on uh, Jesus Christ. Just the coolest imagery. This is the Godhead. And then we hear the voice of the Father declaring, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. We've already talked about how the Godhead in eternity past was self-existent and self-sufficient. And this is one of the scenes in Scripture where we're able to behold the Godhead actually uh, not just stated as doing something, but pictured as doing something with all that is taking place. See it, take it in. This is who our God is. Fifth, seen at the ascension. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Jesus is crucified. The one who came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves pays the price that we deserve on the cross in our place. He's risen from the dead. By the way, that means that he has been seen And then we find in Acts this next scene, S-C-E-N-E, the ascension. Let's see it. Acts 1. Let me begin verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Bless the disciples' hearts. They're still trying to figure out what's going on. It gives me so much encouragement. Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. By the way, you can spend some time with that, talking, thinking that through. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons. Friends, know this, in the, even the return of Christ, it's not about finding out the time. Only the Father knows that. Verse 8, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, he's speaking to the disciples, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth, verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, they're seeing this, okay? It's not talked about. This is not theorized. This is not an allegory. This is not a parable. They're literally seeing this. And as they were looking on, he, Jesus Christ, was lifted up. By the way, look, and a cloud took him out. You see that connection all the way back to Mount Sinai, all the way back to the temple, all the way back in times, and here the cloud takes him out, and they're seeing this whole thing. Verse 10, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, I mean, I am so wondering what these dudes are thinking and talking about, whether there's like, what in the world just happened, or whether it's dead silent. 
And as they were looking on, he's lifted up, verse 10, and while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, he will come again in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Again, it's this idea of from Sinai to the tabernacle to Isaiah 6 in the heavenly temple to Jesus being baptized to here at the ascension. There are these times where our God is seen. And that's who our God is. He is visible. He has shown himself to mankind. Let's go to number six. Seen at the revealing. Oh, one of my favorite passages of scripture, Revelation 1. Turn there. Revelation 1. This is post the resurrection, obviously. Jesus has ascended. And here we have John, the disciple of John, one of the apostles, um, uh, making reference to the, what would be the resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ. By the way, I believe it was Easter of 2018 that I preached Revelation chapter 1. If you want to dig into that more, you're welcome to go into the sermons and past sermons. I think it was Easter of 2018, and you can get the full sermon on the text. I just want to bring some highlights here as we're seeking to see our God. Let me pick up verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. By the way, that means both the revealing of as well as the telling of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the subject and the source of the book of Revelation. Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, I like that. Blessed are those who hear it, you like that, and who keep what is written in it. May that be all of us, for the time is near. Jump down to verse 12. Then I, speaking of John the Apostle, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I what? I saw. What did he see? He saw seven golden lampstands. Picture it. In the midst of the lampstands, he saw one like a son of man. That's Daniel 7. Resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. It's a priestly look. The hairs of his head were white like wool. They weren't wool, but they were wool. They looked like wool, uh, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters, and in his right hand he, he held seven stars. 
And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Listen, what is John doing here? John is, again, John is not telling a parable. He's not telling a story about. He's not giving an illustrative telling of, of something that he hopes is the case. John is there, and he is literally telling us what he sees. And look at verse 17. And when I saw him, the resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ that he just described, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, John. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died. Behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. This is the revealing of the resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ. If we just go back to Matthew, we saw uh, Christ incarnate in the flesh, second person of the flesh, uh, being baptized. We, we, We see that. We've seen the movies. We've then, if you will, we, we, we know that the, resurre- or the, the death and the resurrection took place, and we saw in Acts chapter 1, the ascension, and they saw that. And friends, part of what happens is, is we get stuck in seeing movie Jesus. We get stuck in seeing uh, Jim Caviezel as, as, as Jesus, We get stuck in those wonderful tellings of it. But the fact of the matter is, is Revelation 1 is the real picture for us to be seeing who Jesus Christ is today. This is who Jesus is. See this as he is today. In the revealing. Seventh, seen at the throne. Turn to Revelation 4, page over. After Revelation 1, you have chapters 2 and 3 where the resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ has some some things to say to seven churches. And then we come into chapter 4 and chapter 5. And I'm going to read both chapters. And I want for us to see our God. After this, I looked And behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, come up here and I will show you what what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, and one was seated on that throne, and he who sat there had the appearance of, John's trying to describe this, he had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald, this rainbow that is just like circling all around the throne. Verse 4, and around the throne were 24 thrones. Seated on the thrones were 24 elders, 24 presbyteros, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. See it, friends, see it. Verse 5, and from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder. It's going all the way back to 
Exodus 19, and, 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 and Exodus 40, and, and even in Isaiah, of God revealing himself in all of his magnificence. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God, and before the throne there was, uh, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal, and around the throne, on each side of the throne, were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature, like a lion. The second living creature, like an ox. The third living creature, with the face of a man. The fourth living creature, like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is to come. Keep seeing with me. Verse 9. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created." And then, chapter 5, and then I saw, and then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one. No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able, was worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And so I, John, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders, one of the presbyteros said to me, weep no more, behold, entering the scene. Behold the lion, the tribe of Judah, the root of David, for he has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And in that moment, picture it, between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw not just a lion, but a lamb standing as though it had been slain seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe 
every language, every people, every nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. How interesting is that, by the way, going all the way back to what God said to to the nation of Israel as he brought them out in Exodus 19. You have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Verse 11, and then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice many angels numbering myriads of myriads thousands of thousands saying not with a quiet voice saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. From Mount Sinai, to the tabernacle, to the heavenly temple in Isaiah, to the Jordan, to the ascension, to the revealing in Revelation 1, to the throne room. And lastly, let's have one more scene to see. Turn to Revelation 21 and 22. Scene at the eternal state. By the way, I'll just note, Revelation 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And then we come to the heavenly, eternal state. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Grab a hold of this, friends. God is going to reside with redeemed mankind. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. And right in this time of life, we rejoice in that. 
for the former things. The former things at this place are the present things now. For the former things have passed away. Verse 5, and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things, what? New. Go to verse 9. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And the text goes on to describe the heavenly, the new heaven. Go to verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city Remember, we're about seeing our God. Let's take a look. No temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine it. For the glory, the radiance of God gives its light. And its lamp is the Lamb. The Lamb lit up. By its light will the nations walk. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life, which the end of chapter 20 talks about. And just a few more verses. Then the angel showed me In other words, he saw the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the very throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face. And his name will be, modern day version, tattooed on their foreheads. Night will be no more. It will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever Eight scenes of who our God is. Eight glimpses, eight peering into who our God is. Consider with me as we close here. How are we living out this week? How has this last week been unlike any week? I'm telling you, this last week has been unlike any week in my 58 years of life. And we look around. And as we look around to what's taking place in life, 
we see great concern. We see some serious confusion. We see chaos, stock market all over the place. Grocery stores, people going nuts. Toilet paper wars, the whole thing. That's what we see looking around. And when our eyes get stuck here, friends, we get so caught up in it that we get lost in it. So what are we supposed to do? Look around, see. But look up. We have to take it vertical. We have to grab a hold and not just see what is happening around us but see who our God is. And scripture gives us these times and many more like these that tells us who our God is. And you can on your own, if I can make reference to Psalm 46, you go there after this on your own. Take a look. Let me just show a couple things. The psalmist kind of pulls all of this together. The psalmists, who are the sons of Korah in Psalm 46, they begin with the truth statement about who God is. They say, God is our refuge and strength in verse 1, a very present help in trouble. There's an encouragement. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. They state the truth of who God is, and yet in that truth of who God is, as they look around and they see the chaos, what do they see? Uh, In verse 6, they then look around and it says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Can I say, it's like happening before us now. They know who God is, and yet they step into looking around at what's going on around, and they see chaos in it. This this last week, I read a statement of of a chef in San Francisco, which is under full lockdown. Uh, She's been a chef for 30 years in San Francisco, and she was asked, can you sum up what's going on? And she said these words, quote, everything is out of our control. I'm like, spot on, girl. And the truth of the matter is, is even with what's going on today, we have never been in control. And yet, when what takes place, it kind of moves things around in such a way that maybe we see more clearly than we've ever been seeing. So the psalmist, they know that God is their refuge and strength, and yet they look around, verse 6, at the rage and the kingdom's tottering, but note this, then in verses 6 and 7, they look it up, they take it up, and they say this, our God utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I don't know about you, but that is hope-filled. And that is not just hope-filled in data knowledge about God. That even includes this whole idea of even, uh, who God is and everything we've been talking about, but also the fact of the matter of looking up and seeing where God is and bringing it down into the present. Because here's what they finish with. 
Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he does. And they go this, and he does this, and he does this. And therefore, they then say this well-known statement. Be still. And know that I am God. For our God will be exalted among the nations, and our God will be exalted in all the earth. Friends, it has just been utterly fascinating to me to see how in God's sovereignty, he has had this whole series coming along. And frankly, even opening up this Sunday to do a sermon I wanted to do last November to include in this series. It is not just knowing about who our God is. That's fundamental and foundational. But in the reality of it, it is also the realization of seeing who our God is. And whether it was at Mount Sinai or at Isaiah 6 or at the Ascension or in Revelation, every time when people see who God is in his magnificence and for all he is, what happens? They fall down and worship. They fall down in smallness. And they, yet they have a confidence about who God is that becomes immovable. And in all the crazy going on, we've just seen from Scripture who our God is. And we grasp that. Our God is seen. Look around. Regularly, continuously, routinely. Look up bring who God is into it all. Let me pray. Lord, we are about to sing a song that summarizes it all up. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, all is well. And right now, for many of us, it may be to where all does not feel very well at all. I understand that. But in the chaos, in the confusion, in the struggle of it all, oh God, remind us of who you are. You are sitting on the throne. You are not standing on the throne. You are not nervous. You are not pacing. You are not trying to figure out. You know exactly what's going on. You know exactly what you're doing. And you are sovereign over it all. And in your faithfulness is who you are. You have not stepped away from any of who you are. But God, all of who you are is at work right now in everything that is around us. And as we are kind of being pushed off of our self-control bicycles, if we are, we are being kind of pushed in such a way that we teeter and we totter with what's going on in our self-confidence, oh God, I would pray that we would actually see that as a gift from you to remember who you are. You are God. thunderous, almighty, 
glorious clouds sitting on the throne with the heavens at this moment declaring your awesomeness. And deed by deed with what you are doing, the heavens know that it is all good. Doesn't necessarily make it easy. You are the great one. And through it all, through it all, eyes on you. Because it is well. In Christ's name we pray.